Lately, I find myself having difficulty focusing on tasks. There are days when I sit at my computer and I just can't seem to find the mental capacity to work on the shit I have to get done. I'm sure you've had days like this too. Maybe strings of days like this. This is brain fog, and it's destroying our productivity. Welcome to episode 88 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I am your host, Julie Brown, and today we are joined by Tanessa Shears, a health consultant who is here to help us understand how we can eliminate brain fog by optimizing the performance capacity of our bodies and our brain so we can produce more meaningful work in half the time. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. Brain fog is categorized by confusion, forgetfulness, and a lack of focus and mental clarity, most likely caused by overworking, lack of sleep, stress, and spending too much time on the computer. This is the shit all of us have been doing, not just since the pandemic started, but since the moment we entered the corporate world. Tell me I'm wrong. There are additional causes of brain fog tied to how we eat and fuel our bodies. Remember back in episode 52 when we discussed the scientifically proven link between our gut and our brain? It only makes sense that what we put in our stomach will affect the way our brains function. Don't believe me? Ever been wasted? Ever been shit-faced? You didn't pour that alcohol straight into your brain. You poured it into your gut. But it still affected your brain, didn't it? When we are battling brain fog, it affects everything we do throughout the day. And it can be incredibly frustrating. And if you are dealing with days like this, you need to listen to this episode because my guest today has proven ways to biohack our bodies so that we can eliminate brain fog and start getting shit done again. Tanessa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk all about these biohacks. (laughs) When I was researching you and I was like, oh, biohacks, like, is that true? Some of them really focus on food. And I was like, food, really? And then I was like, well, what about alcohol? Like alcohol totally affects our brains and our mobility and all that stuff. So it just totally made sense. So I'm excited to have this conversation too. Uh, So I think my first question would be, how does someone determine that they're dealing with Brain fog. I talked a little bit about it in the intro, but what are the telltale signs that this is happening, that this is what you're dealing with? Yeah. Brain fog is an interesting one because it's not like you can walk into your doctor's office and be like, here's what I'm experiencing. And they'll go, oh, well, that's brain fog. And here's what you can do about it. Because essentially, like you said, brain fog is that collection of symptoms. And it's like, I'm just forgetting stuff. I, I feel like it takes forever to make a decision. I go back and forth all the time. I don't feel creative. I sit down to do something in my job or my business. And I, my thinking is clunky. It's cloudy. I am easily distracted. If there's a notification that's going off that something popped into my Amazon inbox, I am gone. If you find that you're just like, what is going on with my brain? This can't be normal. 
it's probably brain fog. And yes, there is something you can do about it because we honestly look around at our colleagues and our fellow entrepreneurs and it just seems normal. Like, isn't everyone mm. crashing mid-afternoon? Doesn't everyone struggle to write copy? Isn't right. this just normal? We never question if we want this to be normal for us. So that's where biohacking comes in because my job is to come in and clear up your brain so that you can be focused and have sustainable energy and wake up well-rested. Like, isn't that the dream just to wake up with a clear brain and get to work and get stuff done? Yeah. So a couple of things you said, like the Amazon. So I cannot tell you how many times a day I get an a notification from Amazon that my package has been delivered. And I'm like, <laughs> what fucking package? Like, what did I order? I forget what I ordered. Like, I don't even <laughs> And it's not even like I'm wine and priming. It's not like I was drunk and I was wine and priming. I'm like literally buying things that I need. And then they get delivered. I'm like, what is in this package? What did I order? Um, and the second thing that you said that sort of is a trick. <laughs> trigger warning. It's like when you're like, wouldn't it be great to wake up well rested every morning? My watch, my sleep tracker asks me, do you feel rested this morning? And it's like not rested at all, somewhat and totally rested. And I have never hit the totally rested button. Like it's always somewhat rested or not rested at all. Yeah, it is totally possible for our brains. And it has so much to do with the things that are causing brain fog, which essentially is just caused by inflammation. You mentioned the gut and what we eat is a mm -hmm. huge component of it. But beyond that, our stress goes unchecked. We think of stress as like, well, I've got too many things to do, but we're not thinking about the other stress on our bodies, our relationship stress, mental stress, chemical mm -hmm. stress, emotional stress, right? And then you add in the fact that the majority of people that I have worked with or meet are sleep deprived on some level or have poor quality sleep. It is a recipe for waking up, feeling like you're starting that day behind the eight ball already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get into the hacks, I just want to ask, this seems like a very specific line of work, a very specific coaching that you do. How did you get into this? Oh, completely by accident because we all do. Right. right. Um, I started in 2014 as a personal trainer and I was seeing, I think it got to 33 clients a week by the second year in my business. And the majority of them were all entrepreneurs. And it was very strange because I never really advertised or marketed towards entrepreneurs. I was just like, Hey, do you want to get fit? I can help you. Mm -hmm. And so I asked my clients, I was like, what is going on? Like, what, why, what do you think it is? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Why are you here? And they mm -hmm. said, well, you know what, Tanessa, when I started with you, yeah, I just wanted to lose a couple pounds or, you know, get in shape. But what I didn't realize was the profound effect it would have in my work life. Meaning I'm focused. I'm not as distracted. I have energy. I feel good in my body. All of the things that come come with health and business together. Right. And so I was like, this is so interesting. And because I'm an entrepreneur, I speak the language. Like mm -hmm. we all know about return on investment. That's one of my favorite things about why I like working with entrepreneurs. We understand that concept, right? Mm -hmm. So when we go out and we're applying these biohacks that we're going to go through, I want to be getting more energy out than I put in. That is a good return on investment. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, we understand this. This is my language. These are my people. And so from there, when I started marketing directly to specifically professionals and entrepreneurs, that is when I really started to see the results pick up because it was creating such impact in their businesses. They were able to grow and make room to work on their health. When we've always been sold the idea that you either have a really successful business or you have your health, but it's not both. And I'm right. just here to be like, that's bull. Yeah. And, you know, we can do something about that. Should that be something you want? Yeah, I think also, and this is neither here nor there, but I think also 
anybody. It doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. I think every professional has to stop feeling guilty about taking time for themselves to do things for themselves that don't have anything to do with their business or their career. That's super important. That is a whole, (laughs) that's a whole different podcast about career guilt and all that stuff. So anyways, um, I want to get into the biohacks because there's 12 of them. So we have a lot to talk about and I'm going to name them off and you can tell me how people can start incorporating these into your lives. So listeners do not worry about taking notes because you can go to Tanessa's website and you can download the workbook that I got this from for free. So just listen um, to it and then download the workbook afterwards. You say the first hack is to track your sleep. Yes. So tracking your sleep specifically is so important because after working with a ton of people, I have found that the sleep is almost the pivot point of all of your other health habits. I mean, it affects your ability to use sugar properly in your blood and to stay focused and have a clear brain and manage your emotions, manage your stress. It all comes back to sleep. So most of us are walking around what I think is kind of blind when it comes to our sleep, Mm -hmm. tracking your sleep helps. You get an inside look at if what you're doing is creating the results you want or not. So meaning if I'm going to spend time trying to shift my bedtime by half an hour, or I'm going to wear those funky red glasses before bed, I want to make sure that I'm seeing the result of my effort. So I'm not piling on all of these health habits that are taking up all of my time and only half of them work. And I don't know which ones they are. So I wear an eye watch and I have a sleep tracker on my watch that is attached to my phone, like the Bluetooth to my phone. So um, I actually, I didn't look at my sleep schedule last night. I try to go to bed at the same time every night. I try to wake up at the same time every day. And then I have this thing that tells me if I have restful sleep or if I have non-restful sleep or if I've disturbed. Actually, last night, I'll show you this, listeners, you can't see, but I had no disturbed sleep last night. And my general heart rate was around 47 beats a minute. And I had mostly restful sleep last night. There are some nights where I have almost no restful sleep. So two questions. One is what is the best tracker that people can use? Two is what if you're tracking your sleep stresses you out because you realize how bad of a sleeper you are? Yes. So let's just, I'm going to give you two options for sleep that I've, in my experience have been my favorite. One is where I like to recommend people get started because of the simplicity of it. And that's just like a basic Fitbit Lux. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gives you everything you need to know. It gives you basic graphs and stuff like that. I like that Mm -hmm. now for someone who likes to know every detail. So like me, that's my job. I love to get into the nitty gritty. I know I would like to know way more than most people know. I want to know how often I'm breathing every minute at night. (laughs) Like this stuff interests me. So I like that would freak me out because I hardly breathe at night. Like my husband thinks I'm dead in my sleep all the time. Like I have a (laughs) resting heart rate of like 42 to 47 every night. He's pretty sure I'm dead. That's a good thing, actually. It makes your body nice and relaxed. However, uh, an aura ring is more of the biohackers. Like, I want to know all the details and how mm-hmm. to make sense of it and apply it. Both of them work great. I have used both with clients before, and I have used both myself. And I love I've had clients that have used Apple Watches and, and everything, yep. too. 
I just find that sometimes they need to be paired with third-party apps in order to get the data out of it. Sure. So yep. Make some more meaningful things out of it. Yep. Um, regarding your second question, I often find that we start doing that when we are relying on our trackers to tell us how to feel instead of the other way around. So mm. naturally this is going to happen with people, right? It's happened to me sometimes. I've had clients happen to before, and here's what I recommend. When you wake up in the morning, don't make the first thing you do be to be checking in on how your sleep was. I want mm -hmm. you to wake up and I want you to ask yourself subjectively, how do I feel right now? What would I give myself on a one to 10? Because isn't mm -hmm. that why we're doing it? Because we want to feel well-rested, not right. because we want an app to tell us we're feeling well-rested. So right. if that means waiting until lunchtime to check, or maybe just checking two to three times a week and making adjustments from there, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of that, um, dose benefit relationship where we really yeah. want to check in and see if what we're doing is creating a good result. So that's my okay. biggest tip for that. All right. So your second hack sounds terrible to me, cold thermogenesis. Like it literally sounds like, bitch, I'm never going to do this. Like, <laughs> like what to explain what that is. Yeah. So I love that. First of all, the word thermogenesis means to generate heat, right? So the idea is you subject yourself and I am going to use that word to cold temperatures to create a response in your body. So think about this. We do things all the time that are stressors to our bodies, but when they are just a minimal stressor, they can have a positive effect. So think of exercise. That's mm -hmm. a stress on the body. You're sure. breaking down muscle fibers for the benefit of getting stronger. Mm -hmm. So specifically with cold thermogenesis, I either like to have a two to five minute cold shower, or I like to alternate hot and cold. So there's a couple benefits to this. Number one is it activates something called brown fat. We mostly know about something called white fat, which is the fat that sits around our midsection or our legs or our back or wherever like that. But brown fat specifically is responsible for instead of adding weight to our body, it actually creates heat to warm us up and it burns calories. So mm -hmm. it is a fascinating way to help your metabolism speed up. The other thing beyond that is exposing yourself to cold reduces inflammation in the body. Think yeah. of the last time you had a sprained ankle, you pop some ice on there, reduce inflammation and yeah. reduced inflammation is reduced brain fog. Mm -hmm. The third hack you say is do this thing called performing a hand test. What, what's that? Yeah, this falls in the category of biohacking your bedroom to help with okay. sleep. So we don't recognize it. And a lot of people will say, oh, that doesn't affect me. But until you've experimented with this, give it a shot first. So any light that is in our bedroom or in our ambience while we are sleeping is going to affect our ability to have solid sound sleep and stay asleep. Mm -hmm. So what I often find is when I ask someone, if you are in your room and you are right before you're going to fall asleep, or first thing you wake up in the morning, if you held your hand up six inches in front of your face, would you be able to see it? Whether that be because there is light street lights from outside coming in your window or the sun is rising, or if it's because there's a light on in the hallway, your cell phone is flashing, or your alarm clock has a face on it that's lit up. If you are able to see your hand, that means the room is too bright and it is going to affect your sleep quality. So I usually recommend um, a couple of things. Number one, a sleep mask. You can get them really cheap on Amazon is a great option to block out the light for your eyes. But there's some been some studies that say our skin is our skin is receptive to light as well. So getting a roller blind or specifically a blackout curtain is the way to go. So I have a question about this. Aren't we supposed to go to bed and wake up 
according to our circadian rhythm and isn't the uh, isn't light supposed to be a good way to wake up for our circadian rhythm and stop the process of melatonin production in our bodies so what would not having light in our bedroom do for that this is such a good question because you are a hundred percent right okay for some of the population so okay. there is this fascinating thing and i think it's coming up in one of the other hacks called your chronotype specifically yeah. so meaning yeah. my body is genetically geared to wake up at a certain time as is yours as is everyone else's now Waking up with the sunrise, like my body is genetically programmed to go to bed around 9, 930, wake up around 5, 530. It happens mm. without an alarm clock. It's easy. I feel yeah. great. Me waking up with the sunrise, 100%. But if you have someone whose chronotype is to go to sleep later, 1130 midnight and wake up 738, but the sun is rising at five, it's actually interrupting quality sleep time. So yes, ideally, if you can time it with your optimal wake up time based on your genetics. Okay. So, um, the number four biohack is only drink coffee before 12. Yes. So if that has to help in order to make that make sense, we have to understand what coffee actually does to us. So we have these receptors in our brain and caffeine binds with these receptors to help keep us alert and focused. That's that kind of jittery, like I'm awake feeling that we all love about coffee, which is great when we want it to be active. Problem is caffeine has what's called a half-life of five to six hours. So if you have your cup of coffee at noon, 50% of the caffeine is still fully active by 6 PM and a quarter of it by midnight when for the most part, we want to be asleep. So the problem is, is that caffeine binds with the receptor that makes us feel sleepy. So it blocks it. So when caffeine is blocking those receptors, adenosine, the chemical that makes us feel tired, doesn't get to get in there and gradually create fatigue throughout the day. So what ends up happening is by the time we go to sleep, we have so much caffeine in these receptors that we either have trouble falling asleep, we toss and turn, Mm -hmm. or we just don't get quality sleep. And for those people that are like, well, I can fall asleep right after a cup of coffee. You're right. You might be able to do that. Some people can, but this doesn't mean the sleep quality is as good as had you not done that. Right. And also I don't have caffeine in my diet, so it's never been an issue for me, but I know there are a lot of people that it's like, okay, three o'clock, got to have a coffee at three o'clock because that's when we're in our normal sort of slump of the day. Do you suggest people go for a walk? What do you suggest people do in place of that three o'clock sort of caffeine hit that most people tend to take that when they work in offices? Yeah. Well, what your suggestion of going for a walk is great, but actually it ties right into your next biohack. What's my next biohack? The next one is keeping your blood sugar stable while you work. Okay. Just number five. Keep. Yeah. So biohack number five is is keep your blood sugar stable while you're at work. So when we get these afternoon energy crashes, like one, it could just be, you had a really poor sleep the night before, but Mm -hmm. let's just rule that out. What I find is that Sometimes when we're unprepared, we grab food on the go. Like we're just eating a bowl of cereal or some leftover pasta or grabbing like a really bready sandwich. There are certain foods that we eat for lunch, which affect our blood sugar differently. So when we eat food, specifically carbohydrates, it enters our blood as blood sugar or blood glucose. When we eat really dense carbohydrate foods, we get a rush of blood sugar and mm-hmm. a rush of a hormone called insulin that it's its job to just put it, put it away, put it in fat cells, put it in muscle cells, put it mm-hmm. in the liver. Now, what goes up? 
comes down. So when your energy shoots up with that, you also get the crash mid afternoon. So when our blood sugar is constantly going up and down and up and down, because maybe we had toast for breakfast and then pasta for lunch. And then we have pasta for leftover pasta and rice for dinner and a stir fry. And everything is very uh, carb dense Mm -hmm. and less protein and fat and vegetables. We get that constant roller coaster all day. And that fluctuation in blood sugar creates a ton of inflammation in our body leads to a ton of long-term disease and creates brain fog. So Mm -hmm. if you are experiencing that midday energy crash, one of the first things I would do is look at your food and ask yourself the food on my plate. Did it come from the ground or did it have a mother? Like was it a plant or did it have a mom here? Did it like, have a face? These, yeah. These are the things that we want to be really thinking about with this, because if our, our lunches are highly processed, whether that be, you know, with flour or with sugar, um, this is going to cause that energy rise and crash. And we're going to get that. So you just get to be selective. I'm not, I'm not saying carbs are bad. I'm not saying don't eat carbs. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if you're experiencing this, this is where I'd look first. So that I always hear people say that you should try to plan out your meals in advance because you'll make bad choices if you're just buying something on the go. So I'm assuming that's also like a bit of a tip that maybe we should be planning out our meals or knowing what we're going to be eating during the week so that that doesn't affect us. A hundred percent. I have never had a client who has had long-term success, but been able to somehow skip out on planning ahead of time. (laughs) Okay. It's literally like trying to run a successful company or do well at work. If you've never actually planned what you're doing during the week, you just kind of show up to your desk. You're like, I don't know. What are we doing today? Is this going to work? I don't know. So I always think too, that like in ahead of time, like if I was to plan my lunch for tomorrow, I'm thinking, okay, what do I want? So my brain works best for tomorrow. Or I feel best Mm -hmm. in the moment. I'm like, what tastes good. And it's an emotional decision with short-term thinking in mind. And I find when we plan in advance, it's never about short-term thinking. Yeah. So I, I love, 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 love this next hack because I do this all the time. I wear headphones at the office all of the time when I'm trying to work. So your number six hack is sync your brain waves. Um, so let the listeners know about that. And then we can talk about the app because I loved the app. So it was so good. So basically your brain, uh, the electrical content of your brain has its brain waves, right? And it goes at certain speeds, depending on what state your brain wave is in. So while you're listening to this episode or whether you're working on something, your brain waves are in a state called beta. We are focused. We are alert. We are attentive. This is a good thing and how we want to be. Sometimes we slide into what's called high beta and that's a little of the anxiety and too mm-hmm. much thinking and thinking too fast. However, most of us don't spend enough time or recognize that there is a state down from that called alpha in which the brain waves are a lot slower. And it is associated with that feeling of presence and relaxation, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to have that contrast because if our brains are always in beta, our bodies are going to be, you know, we're going to be running on higher cortisol. We're going to be feeling a lot more stressed out. So the brain waves will determine how stressed out and relaxed we are. And it's not to do with an activity. And this is what I want to make uh, sure that we make sense of here. So I want you to think about the activity of reading a book. Some people would say that's relaxing. Some people would say that is not. If you read a business book, I've got highlighters and sticky notes and I've probably got Canva open and I'm making some email newsletter. That is beta brainwave activity 
when you're reading. Now, last night, reading a fluffy romance novel before bed and I fell asleep in the middle of the chapter, Mm -hmm. that is alpha wave activity reading. So I really want you to think it's more about the experience that is created by the brainwaves, not the activity that creates the experience. Okay. Yes. In your hacks, you suggest downloading or using an app called brain.fm. Yes. And so I did. Um, because I have these big headphones that I, you know, they're Bluetooth. Um, and so I said, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to just see if this works for me. Um, cause I kind of already knew what it would, cause I was doing a lot of this on YouTube. I was doing a lot of binaural beat sounds on YouTube. And I got to tell you, it worked like that using the brain FM on specific focus sounds, focus beats timed with doing this thing called the Pomodoro technique, which I learned from one of our guests early on in in the podcast, uh, Paula Rizzo, that 25 minutes of focused, undisturbed activity combined with listening to the focus beats. Like I literally got so much shit done. I was like, why have I not been doing this like the entire time I've owned my company? So I would suggest if, if the listeners take away nothing from this, it's like this brain.fm was so great. Yeah. It's um, literally, I like to think of it like this. Think of it as a remote control for the brainwave state you want on demand without mm-hmm. having to get into flow, set the environment. It's literally yeah. like put your headphones in. Okay. What do I need? Do I want to be relaxed? Do I want to fall asleep? Do I want to yeah. be focused? Okay, go. Yep. No, it was great. Okay. Cause it's, it's like focus, uh, relaxation, and then sleep are like the three categories and meditation and meditation. Yeah. Yeah which I suck yeah. at, which we all know. Um, <laughs> number seven, which I do have is um, invest in a standing desk. Yeah. So with investing in a standing desk, it does come back to our blood sugar a little bit in part. So part of it is when you are standing, naturally you're using more muscles and using more of that blood sugar, which helps keep it stable, which Mm -hmm. prevents brain fog. So that's thing number one that I love. Thing number two is it gets us off our butts. We sit a lot. So I don't recommend like spending all of your time at a standing desk necessarily, but to have the option to go from sit to stand to sit to stand. And what it allows you to do is just maintain a lot better of a physical posture. Most of us, when we sit, we round our back, we slump forward, mm-hmm. we lean on things. And this puts so much stress on our back, our neck, our traps. I mean, most of us feel neck pain or back pain at some point when we sit mm-hmm. too long. So it just allows you to change up um, the body position and kind of create more of the body you were meant to live in. I mean, as, as a species of humans, we, yeah. we were not evolved to sit in chairs. We were evolved to be right. out moving all of the time. So I find this helps yeah. mitigating some of the sedentary behavior that I think is pretty common with desk work. Yeah. And it's funny because I have a standing desk and I invested in it and sometimes I forget it stands and I'm like, Oh, I'm so sick of sitting. And then I'm like, you dumbass, like you have a standing <laughs> desk. So you got to remember that it a sticky stands. note. A sticky yeah. note. Yeah. You got to remember it stands. Okay. Number eight, uh, have a minimum number of daily steps that you take. Yes. So here's the crazy thing. I didn't realize how important this was until like, I like to analyze all of my clients data on spreadsheets that color code and make graphs because that's how my brain works. And most people get around two to 3000 steps per day. And that's actually quite common, but this 
uh, in itself, all with all the health complications and everything of just being sedentary long-term creates just a lot of pain from sitting still all the time. Yeah. Our blood sugar is not managed. It's just, an, our mood is better when we're moving. So what I like to recommend before we get into like the idea of like, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to do five days a week. It's going to be an hour and nobody mm-hmm. ever sticks with that. What I usually ask of my, of my clients and what I recommend for the listeners is maintain a consistent daily step count before you even entertain the idea of workouts. Not only will it help you create consistency with that, but it has so many more health benefits, just being physically active than being what I call an active couch potato, which is basically we sit all day and then get up for an hour and move a lot in an hour. So in general, if you're at that point right now where you're like, 2000 steps a day, 3000 steps a day, set small goals. Just try to aim for 4,000. Okay. And then when you, when you master that bump it up to 5,000 and slowly work up with the ideal goal of hitting, you know, there's that standard number. I honestly don't know who made up the number 10,000 steps per day. I think it just sounds very nice, but the goal is, am I moving or am I sitting all day? And you'll start to notice with consistent daily activity versus one hour concentrated workouts. Everything improves your health, your well-being, your mental state, everything. Number nine, eat anti-inflammatory foods five days a week. What are anti-inflammatory foods? I know. Isn't that fun, right? Well, and the hard part is they're slightly different for every single person. So this is where tuning into our body makes sense. There are going to be obvious food groups, which I'm just going to list off really quick, which more people than not are sensitive to. And okay. those are honestly the things like alcohol. Some people are sensitive to dairy. Some people are sensitive to gluten, nightshade vegetables, which include things like tomatoes and peppers and potatoes and types of things like that. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are eating foods that support a healthy body the majority of the time. Now, here's what I do. I have my clients Uh, track what they eat. And then more importantly, track how they feel in the two Mm -hmm. to three hours after. So what we're looking for is most of us think, oh, well, do I feel bloated or not? Oh, I must be fine. But I want you to look beyond that. Does your joint pain flare up? Do you get tired? Are you hungry right away? Do you have headaches? Does your mood change at all? Does Mm -hmm. your sleep get disrupted that night? Um, Do you find your energy shifts? Anything that is not light, content, and satisfied within two to three hours after a meal Mm -hmm. is a red flag to me that I want to watch. Now, what I don't do is eat it once and be like, oh, that was a mess. That (laughs) one's out. I want to keep track because I'm looking for trends of two to three times. So for me, two to three times of eating broccoli gave me this weird feeling in my stomach. Like I was starving and it was hollow. That's Mm. not a good feeling. So for me, broccoli is no good, despite the fact that it's great for most people. Sure. So eating anti-inflammatory foods are basically foods that make your body feel that clarity, that focus, and that sustainable energy and anything that's taking away from that, we need to question. There is a very good chance that that food was creating inflammation on some level or messing with my blood sugar. And that I want to limit, especially when I'm looking at, Hey, when do I need my brain to work properly? And when do I want to feel good? So you just get to make intentional decisions when you know what works for you. Yeah. In order to know, you have to write it down. You have to say, I ate this and this is how I felt afterwards, right? You have to, because you're not going to remember. If you don't write it down, you won't remember, I feel like. A hundred percent. I would write it down. Number 10, I think we all know this, but it's to be strategic with blue light. 
Mm -hmm. So when we're specifically talking about blue light, it's a frequency of light. And honestly, it comes from the sky. It comes from our computer screens. It comes from um, any type of device that emits light. Now, this affects our brain by tricking it into thinking it is daylight longer than it is. Mm -hmm. So blue light suppresses a hormone called melatonin that is amazing for good quality sleep. When we suppress melatonin, our sleep goes all haywire. We wake up feeling lousy Mm -hmm. and foggy the next day. So as far as looking at this blue light, if you're looking at easy hacks on how to um, mitigate the effect it has on your sleep and just your brain health in general, really simple one, all of our phones, they have a little toggle button in the settings where you can just turn the blue light out of your phone at Mm -hmm. night. You can do it on your computers and everything else. This is great. Option two, which I have is a pair of blue light blocking glasses, but not the ones you see 90% of people wearing. These ones have red lenses on them Mm -hmm. and it does look like you're living in space. However, I significantly notice a difference in the deep sleep quality and the dream sleep quality. So the amount of time I spend Mm -hmm. in those when I do not wear them in the hour before bed. So that is a hack number two that you could use is invest in a pair that block out light. I mean, realistically, if you hold, if you wear them and you can see the color blue or green, they're probably not doing an effective enough job. And there may be more daytime blue blockers. Last one, turn our devices and our screens off an hour before bed. And this really, really depends on the nature of your work. If you have kids, if you have to stay up late, that's why there are other hacks Mm. to help mitigate. But in an ideal world, when we have full control over that, like our brains need a break, talk to your partner, play a board game, read a book, write in your journal, meditate, mm-hmm. do something in that time that allows your brain to naturally produce that melatonin and get to sleep. Okay. So the last hack, oh, no, no, we're on hack 11. I apologize. Is follow your sleep chronotype, which we've talked a little bit about. Go to sleep go to bed early if you're an early riser and go to sleep later if you're a night owl. Correct. Yeah. So basically we all have a gene called a PER3 gene, not important to know, but essentially the length of this gene determines whether you are genetically an early bird or genetically a late night owl. So the idea that the 5am club works for all of us is bull. It just, it's, it's not uh, applicable. And when we try to fit into something outside of our chronotype, meaning chronotype, just meaning how our genetics dictate our body clock works. Yeah then we feel the effect of, we literally give ourselves jet lag. It is not an effective way to live your life. So if you're constantly waking up tired, perhaps you're not following your chronotypes. Once you take into account all of the evening routine things that are keeping us up, like the blue light and the screens eating too close to bed, once you have neutralized all of those, you'll probably find that you may have been living according to the wrong chronotype. And that is causing a lot of grogginess. Simple fix, simple fix. Okay. So now we'll get to my, one of my favorite ones. Uh, Number 12, doing a brain dump every day. Yeah. And I think this is super important because I think we go to bed or we carry around in our minds, all the things that we have to be doing that we don't put down on paper, that we don't verbalize, uh, get them out of our head and onto the page as far as things that we have to accomplish. So talk about the brain dump and how to do it. Yeah. Our brain can only adequately process so many things in a day. And if if we are leaving it up to the responsibility of our prefrontal cortex and our brain to remember everything from 
oh, I have to take my dog's collar off before I go to bed Mm -hmm. to like, oh, there's a client meeting later this afternoon. There's so much going on. So what I always like to do is use some type. It doesn't honestly scrap piece of paper, Trello, some fancy app, a nice planner that you bought. Find a way to get the clutter out of your head and onto paper in a way that your brain doesn't have to constantly be re-engaging all of these ideas to keep them top of mind because your brain is going to be like, I can't forget any of this. So anyone you know that is really productive or organized doesn't carry their life around in their head. I guarantee you there's some way of systematically organizing their thoughts and ideas. And it really just allows for your, your brain room to create and to think. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of a hack and I do it before I leave the office every day. I write down the five things I have to accomplish the next day Yeah. so that I get it out of my head and I'm not thinking about it. But also when I get to the office the next day, I'm not wasting time saying, what am I going to be doing today? Yes. I think that's a big hack. That's a big hack for just organization and productivity. So, but I guess it could also help with sleep because you go, I leave the office saying, okay, I'm prepared for tomorrow. Yeah. And beyond that, it doesn't have to just be dumping the tasks that you have to do. Sometimes I find with my clients that there's a lot of anxious thinking going on, either from something going on in their business to their personal life. And sometimes just doing like a thought dump and just getting all the thoughts out of your brain and onto paper and seeing them for what they are instead of, they, they feel so much more real in our head and so much more like they heavy and have so much more gravity. Sometimes we get them out to paper and we're just like, oh, well, that's not true. Right. <laughs> or that's not yeah. really that important. And it really just yeah. kind of lets us let go of some of the things we no longer want to keep holding on to as we go to bed. Yeah. yeah. These are all great. Uh, there was so much information here. Again, listeners, you can, I'm going to put a link <laughs> to this download so you can get the download. I'm going to put a link to you and your own podcast. You have a podcast of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully this helps everybody with brain fuck. Cause I'm sure everybody has it right now. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, if we all just want to communicate a little more clear or get our messages across in a concise way and just mm-hmm. show up as clear, focused, energized humans. Right. These are all, and like I said, these are tips that like having worked with clients for so many years, these I find are the 12 that'll give you the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Are there a bajillion others? Absolutely. Your best bet. Honestly, pick two or three of these, get good at yeah. them. And then come back for more. That was going to be my question. Do I have to do all 12? Because I'm, I'm just, there's just some I'm not going to do. I can't, I'm not a liar. I'm not going to do them. You don't want to have cold showers tomorrow morning. You're telling me. Cold showers. There's a few few other things I'm not going to (laughs) do. I'm not even going to lie. Ever since I got pregnant, cold showers have been off the list. I will resume those at a future date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. This is wonderful. And I'm sure super, super helpful for the listeners. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's just like, if we can just improve just, just a couple of brains, then we did our job. Right. (laughs) Starting with mine. Starting with ours. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So how many of you listened to that and were like, yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to be doing that. I get it. I get it. But as Albert Einstein famously said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if we want to see change in our bodies and our minds and our focus, we need to make some changes in our lifestyles. Maybe not all 12 of these biohacks. You can bet your ass I'm not doing that cold thermogenesis nonsense. And I can tell you that my bitch ass will still be eating and drinking inflammatory foods and I'm not buying blackout shades. That's a fact. But I can do some of the other things to help eliminate the brain fog that I so often feel. 
I can track my sleep. I never have caffeine, so that brain hack was an easy one for me. I already love the brainwave music. I can stand more at my stand desk. Duh, that's what it's for. I can move more throughout the day. I can be more strategic with the blue light late at night, and I can be an early-to-bed, early-to-rise kind of person, and I can perform a brain dump at the end of every night so that I go to bed with a clear head and not a brain that is trying to sort through all the shit that I have to do the next day. What about you? Of the 12 biohacks, are there a handful that you could start implementing in order to clear the brain fog that you might be experiencing? I bet there are. But you have to want to do it. I liked this episode. I liked learning about how all of these things affect our sleep and our mental acuity. Like I mentioned, I'll put a link to Tanessa's website in the show notes so that you can download the full biohack guide that she has. And I'm sure Tanessa would tell us not to drink if we want to clear the brain fog, but she's not here anymore and this is my podcast. So here we go. This one should be easy for you to guess. Like if you had to guess what the cocktail of the week is going to be, like what would you guess? Go on, I'll give you a second. It's the fog cutter. This one was way too easy. I didn't even have to I didn't even have to research a cocktail. I knew exactly what I was gonna do. There are a few different ways to make this cocktail, but I picked the version that didn't call for a bunch of obscure ingredients that I didn't have. So here's what you're gonna need. One and a half ounces of white rum, a half an ounce of gin, a half an ounce of brandy, two ounces of fresh orange juice, one ounce of fresh lemon juice a half an ounce of almond-flavored syrup, and a half ounce of sherry, and a mint sprig for garnish. What you're going to do is you're going to fill a cocktail shaker with ice and add the white rum, gin, brandy, orange, and lemon juices, and the almond-flavored syrup, and shake well. Strain into an ice-filled highball glass and float that sherry on the top and garnish with a mint sprig. That's it. So, so if the biohacks aren't working for you, just use this. It's called a fog cutter. I'm sure it'll work. Uh, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening, for being here. Please make sure to share the podcast with your friends to rate and subscribe, and I will see you next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.